Welcome to the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. When the ABA Journal began honoring the profession's legal rebels in 2009, we knew we were entering a technological revolution midstream. Many men and women have been remaking the corners of the profession long before our first list was even chosen. Now, we look to highlight the work of the pioneers in changing the way law is being practiced and in setting the standards that will guide its future. Here we present the ABA Journal's Legal Trailblazers. Sharon Nelson is the president of Sensei Enterprises, a digital forensics, information technology, and information security firm in Fairfax, Virginia. A frequent speaker, author, and regular blogger, she has become a nationally known expert in cybersecurity. Sharon, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me, Stephanie. I appreciate being here. Of course. Um, Given the increasing concern about privacy and electronic information security, will there ever be a safe Internet? Stephanie, not on your life. It's been the wild, wild west for as long as I can remember, and there is still no sheriff in town, nor is there likely to be one anytime soon. So as we're recording this, just a couple of random examples of what I mean. Today, Microsoft dropped support for all versions of Internet Explorer, except for the current one, but folks won't know that, and they'll stop receiving security updates, which makes their confidential data potentially available to cyber criminals, and that includes lawyers, of course. And again, today, there was a report that cyber criminals are targeting Silicon Valley real estate transactions, sometimes involving law firms and sometimes involving real estate agents. They're intercepting emails between lawyers, agents, and clients in an effort to steal closing funds. Britain reported yesterday that this has been successful in 91 cases to date, which is pretty darn alarming. All right. And obviously, if something is a federal offense, then it shouldn't be happening. But do you think, should the Internet be the Wild West? Is that what it's meant to be to a certain extent for us to have the freedom? There is a balance, of course, between everybody getting to say their piece, uh, a la the First Amendment, and privacy concerns and the right of the government to investigate, and we are still struggling with that. Encryption backdoors don't work. All of the experts, including me, agree that they don't work. Uh, It's a bad idea. Many people have said that they're a bad idea, and so that's a silly thought, but it's just a wish of the government that they could have have it all, know it all, share it all, and they can't. They simply can't. But there is no safety on the Internet. And it's really kind of hard to imagine that there ever will be. All right. You've uh, spoken and written before about uh, the dark and deep webs. Can you explain for our listeners, what do you mean by that term? And what is the dark and deep web used for? Well, if you think of the web that we search using Google or another search engine as an iceberg, conventional browsers only index about 4% of the web, and that's just the top of the iceberg. Everything beneath the waters is the deep web, 96% of Internet content. That content is deliberately kept away from conventional search engines via encryption and mass IP addresses and accessible only by special web browsers. So much of the deep web is perfectly legitimate, many privacy addresses, Advocates are there wishing to uh, operate without being tracked. Journalists are there concerned about government prying. You can find whistleblowing sites. We're not sure how much of the deep web is the dark web, although experts say it's a small percentage. And the dark web can 
contains the seamy places where drugs and guns are sold, human trafficking occurs, criminals offer their services for hire, hackers and cyber criminals operate, and child porn is viewed, distributed, and sold. Sometimes it's known as the dark net, and it's accessed via Tor, which is the onion router, Freenet, or I2P, the Invisible Internet Project. So we've helped family law colleagues ferret out some of the Ashley Madison evidence after that famous breach. Lots of lawyers took their first journey to the dark web because of Ashley Madison, because that's where all the data was posted. And so that's where they got their evidence. But more and more, we see lawyers getting evidence from the dark web or the deep web. Uh, And so we are often their guides as they go into that. So the family law grapevine has been rife with stories about snaring clients since the Ashley Madison breach. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, so if you are visiting this place as part of your job, uh, from a legal perspective, what advice would you give to lawyers about keeping themselves safe, both their systems and their reputations, perhaps? Uh, Indeed. I always tell them, make sure they have a guide when they wander into this place because they don't really understand some of the dangers and they might click on something they shouldn't click on. They might visit a site that has malware on it. So the the basic advice to them is happy travels in onion land, which is what it's sometimes known. Just be careful which streets you walk down. So probably the most prudent practice would be to hire an expert to do the work for you at least to assist you and, and get you going. Uh, you, you can help them extract the data they need and then they can do what they need to do with it. But it's just blundering around with uh, ignorance as your guide probably isn't the smartest route to take. And you get the sense that many attorneys would do that or they tend to be a lot more risk adverse and just don't even, they don't want to click anything. There's a real split there uh, on the Ashley Madison list. Uh, we found a lot of local attorneys who were members. Okay. <laughs> um, taking out the, what they do for their personal life, I guess, and what they do for their professional life. You know, it is always true that there are people who want to walk on the dark side, either for reasons of their job or because the dark side appeals to them. And so we've seen a number of lawyers go down that path. But I would say the majority of lawyers are afraid of the deep web and they don't want to go there because they know they don't understand it and they know there might be risk there and they're afraid. Got it. And, you know, I think that's everything I had for you today in terms of questions. Would you like to add anything else? Just that everybody should be careful out there. And that's what they used to say on, on the old TV show and uh, Hill Street Blues. And I still think it's it's very true. Training is the best thing you can do as a lawyer. Get yourself trained. Get your people trained. Get them to understand what they need to look out for so that they can stay as safe on the Internet as possible. Because that's how data breaches happen in law firms. They fail to train. That's the That's one of the biggest problems. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. And listeners, thank you for listening. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward signing off from the ABA Journal. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 